chapter 6, starting in verse 1. And the sons of the prophets said to Elisha, See now the place where we dwell with you is too small for us. <laughs> That's not even what the message is about, but look at God. Look at the prophetic confirmation. See, see, see now. See now that the place I felt that in my spirit. Hallelujah. See now that the place where we dwell with you is too small for us. Please let us go to the Jordan and let every man take a beam from there. Let us make a place where we may dwell. So he answered, go. Then one said, please consent to go with your servants. And he answered, I will go. So he went with them. And when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. But as one was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water. And he cried out and said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. So the man of God said, Where did it fall? And he showed him the place. And so he cut off a stick and threw it in there, and he made the iron so he cut off a stick, he threw it in there, and he made the iron float. Therefore he said, pick it up for yourself. So he reached out his hand and took it. Behold, this place where we dwell is too small for us. So let us go chop down some of these trees but his axe fell he lost his cutting edge look at your neighbor and say have you lost your cutting edge come on y'all know you're, you're at home you're not by yourself look at your spouse look at your husband your wife look at your kids look at, look at your mother your grandmother ask them have you lost your cutting edge Father, we thank you for this moment in time in your word. Thank you that this word, Lord, will shift the trajectory of our lives. Thank you that at any time we can see the word, hear the word, and understand the word, we can be changed into that word we see, hear, and understand. Show us your glory. Release your power that changes lives and shifts us in the direction you would have us to go. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen and amen. We are beginning our series today, The Cutting Edge. We'll be here for several Sundays in this month, and I believe we'll be the better for it uh, when we finish. One of the words the Lord gave us for the new year was that we would need to be sharp and light if we were going to regain or gain the ground God desires us to have this year. God showed us Ecclesiastes 10 and 10 which says, if the axe is dull and one does not sharpen the edge, then he must use more strength. But wisdom brings success. And so we see here that while it is possible to work with a dull edge, it's better and it's wiser to sharpen the edge to gain success. You need a cutting edge. You need a cutting edge. 
we look at our text today and, and prepare for the next few weeks, I, I want to go ahead and let you know that as a believer and as a son or a daughter of God, as, as a child of the king, as, as one who has been called and appointed and anointed for such a time as this, you have been given a cutting edge. You have the ability to stand out from the crowd. You have been given the ability to operate in wisdom, to accomplish the things God has called you to accomplish without as much effort and, and toil as the unbeliever. Uh, you have been given a cutting edge. What do you mean by cutting edge? I'm glad, I'm glad you asked me what I meant. Uh, a cutting edge is the sharp edge of a tool's blade. It's also mean has a meaning of the, the the latest or most advanced stage of development. Come on, the cutting edge for my note takers is not just the sharp edge of the axe or the sharp edge of the knife or the sharp edge of the blade, but it also has the meaning of being advanced at the most advanced stage of development. It means being innovative, pioneering. It means standing out from the crowd and being ahead of the pack. It, it means you have a, this, you get something, okay, the iPhone, as opposed to the Android, is on the cutting edge. <laughs> I got the mic. <laughs> it's on the cutting edge of technology. It's, it's on the cutting edge. It's, it's, it's out in front. That's what that means, okay. It, it, it means to be sharp. Okay, well, Pastor, what does it mean to be sharp? Sharp, okay, cutting edge and sharpness. You, you got to get this because this, this really sets the tone for the rest of, of the series. Without this foundational understanding, it, it really won't make sense. Um, to be sharp means to have a thin or a keen edge. This word keen means highly developed, okay? It means highly developed. So, so when you hear sharp, um, when you hear cutting edge, you should think uh, keen. Uh, sharp means keen in intellect, highly developed, quick-witted. Uh, okay, sharp people are keen in their intellect. They're highly developed and they're they're quick-witted. Where where intellectualism is concerned, where where thinking is concerned and understanding is concerned. Uh, sharp means to be keen in perception. Uh, uh, acute, um, highly developed, uh, discerning, uh, and and perceptive. When you encounter situations, sharp people uh, don't take a whole lot of time to kind of get a discernment of what is going on and and what have I entered into and what is the motive behind this situation. Sharp people, uh, they have an acute, uh, they have an acute angle. It, it's a sharp angle. It, it's it's it, I don't, it don't take a whole lot for me to understand because I'm sharp. I, I'm on the cutting, okay. I'm on, okay, keen in attention, okay. That means to be vigilant. Uh, sharp people are vigilant. They're, they're alert and watchful and avoiding danger. Man of God, you need to be vigilant. Man of God, you need to be keen in your attention if you're going to take care of your family. You got to be sharp. You got to be discerning of danger. You got to be watchful. The Bible says be sober. And be vigilant. 
because you got an adversary. Okay, y'all don't, don't like how I'm talking. Okay, I'm, I'm trying to help you today. Uh, to be sharp is to be keen in action. Okay, watch this. Full of energy, active, capable of acting or reacting. Strong, sharp people are not lazy people. Cutting edge people are not lazy people. They're not weak people. They don't take a whole lot of time to move. That way you got to be sharp. And we said you got to be light. You can't have a whole lot of baggage because sharp people move quick. And they, and they take advantage of opportunities fast. They're not the last one to the party. I'm trying to teach them, Jesse. Thank you. Oh, we're supposed to be people who are strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. We're supposed to be. We're supposed to be I'm trying not to be together. We're supposed to be. We're supposed to be people who are sharp and keen, sonny. You're supposed to be people of wisdom and authority. Chris, we're supposed to be victorious, not victims. We're supposed to be pioneering people out in the front of the pack. We're supposed to be at the forefront of the field that we're in. And whatever God has gifted us to do, you're supposed to be at the forefront front D. Uh, we, we, we're filled with the spirit of truth and wisdom. We're supposed to be cutting edge. But some of us have lost our edge. God sent me on an assignment that as we begin this year of 2021, Dexter, as we, as we start off this year, God sent me on an assignment to help those of us who, who have had a cutting edge and lost it to get it back. And those of us who have not yet come into the knowledge of Christ and not given their life to Jesus, so you're still working with a dull edge to get you over into salvation so that you can have a cutting edge. I'm on an assignment. And in our text for today, we come upon a group of students and their teachers. You don't know your Bible history. Elisha, he was a successor to Elijah. He had been a faithful son and a mentee of, of the prophet. He served his leader well and faithfully. And as a result, we know from the Bible, he's from water. Elisha received a double portion of the anointing and the mantle that was on Elijah. I love the, I love the word. I love, the, I love the word and the accuracy and the confirming of the word. There are seven recorded miracles done by Elijah in the Bible. And guess how many recorded miracles there are for Elisha? Fourteen. Because he got a double portion. So in the Bible, let's you, God is good with his word. He said, if I tell you something, I'll show you something. So he told Elisha, if you'll be here when I go up, you'll receive a double portion. And Elijah was a powerful man of God. He had seven recorded miracles, some strong miracles, but his successor had 14 because he had a double portion. And Elijah, Elijah was the head of the school of prophets. Their school was in Gilgal. They had a school in Bethel. There was a school in Jericho. It possibly were other schools of the prophets. Don't tell me you can't teach somebody to prophesy. That's another sermon. There was school of the prophets. Uh, and as a result, his successor, Elisha, was now the head of that school. And, and you can see here in the text, under Elisha, the school was growing. For the students said to him, uh, this 
place where we dwell with you is too small for us. There's too many of us now. There was a few of us before, but we're multiplying and we're growing and more are coming into the ranks. And we're not comfortable uh, being in something that's too small for us. Some of us have become comfortable in the situation we're in, and we know that we're in a situation that God desires more for us, but some people get comfortable or familiar with what is small. And it's hard to get a person who's become comfortable with the small thing to, to, to seek God or to believe God for big things because, you know, the bigger thing is unfamiliar for me. And it may take me something, I, I may have to stretch, I may have to work, I may have to go chop down some trees to have a bigger place. But God came today to tell you, don't get comfortable in small. If, 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 if you're in something that's too small for you, if, if the house is too small for your family, amen, if, if, the, if the car is too small for your family, amen, if, if, if the job is too small for you, if they're not going to allow you to get ahead and you know that God has purposed you for something greater, if it's too small for you, if the opportunity is small for you and you know that God wants you to have more, don't get comfortable in little. Prepare yourself. For what God has next. Let me stick to the text for today. And let every man, he said, let's go. He said, they said they want to go down to the Jordan and chop down some trees. And the, 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 the man of God said, well, then go. And they said, we don't want to go without you. See, there's wisdom there. There's wisdom there because some people have become too comfortable with our leadership. Hello, lights. Amen. Some people have become so proud and puffed up that they feel that they don't need leadership. But these students said, no, master, we need to go cut the trees down. We're not asking you to go cut the trees down with us. We're just saying, will you go with us? We don't want to go without our leader. And so they went. And while they were chopping down, you know the story. Now one of them, as he's diligently working, at the tree. He's working along with his brothers and all of a sudden, pop, he hits that tree and the axe head flies off. Splash and it goes in the water. Axe head is iron. What do you think happened when that axe head hit the water? It sunk. He says, alas, master. That's not even my axe. I borrowed He said, I was a steward of the axe. You got to help me get it back. You got to help me get it back. I, I want to lift for you five things, six things today from our text to set the foundation for the rest of this series. And I believe it's going to help you. I want to lift for you six things. Number one, what we see in our story today is that God has given us all a cutting edge. He said, let's go. Didn't he say, brother? He said, come on, we need more room. We got to go cut down the trees. Let us go. And when you turn around and you see them in the forest, they are all chopping down trees. God has given us all a cutting edge. And I believe that cutting edge is the blessing of God on your life. If, if you go back to Genesis chapter 12, 
verse 1 through 3, you'll see God talking to Abraham. And God says, the Lord has said to Abraham, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on the earth will be blessed through you. That's the New Living Translation. God puts this blessing, or watch this, this enablement to succeed on Abraham. And as a result of Abraham's obedience through faith, he was able to obtain the blessing. Because what God said was, if you'll get up and leave, I'll bless you. And so Abraham said, I believe and I obey. He got up and left, and so he received the blessing. But I, I, I think the next series will teach, maybe will be the blessing. Because what you got to understand is a blessing is not a thing. Uh, we become short-sighted as believers, and we look at blessing as little thing. Oh, Lord, bless me with a car. Bless me with a phone. Bless me with a house. The blessing is not the thing, God, get that you receive. The blessing is the enablement to get it. You got to change your perspective when you read the Bible, and you got to hear what God is saying. Uh, he said, uh, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. God desires you to have soul prosperity and life. So then he turns around and says, and I've given you the power to do what? Get wealth. I didn't get, he didn't say, I've given you a bunch of wealth. He said, I've given you the power to get wealth. That's the blessing. This blessing or enablement passes from Abraham to Isaac and from Isaac to Jacob and from Jacob who would be called Israel to his 12 sons who made up the 12 tribes of Israel. And we see this blessing in operation in the life of Joseph when he's down in Egypt. I'm giving you a fast forward through history. Uh, Joseph is in Egypt and the blessing is on his life and you can see it operating and, and he ascends from being in a pit and being sold as a slave and then from a slave he becomes a prisoner and then from a prisoner he goes to the palace and then from the palace back to the prison and from the prison back to the, he's the head of all things working for Pharaoh and he's the reason why Egypt is able to survive famine and, and he has this enablement for entrepreneurship, business, wealth, success. He's got a blessing on his life. Then these people go into captivity. Here comes Moses, the deliverer, and God puts the blessing on Moses' life. And Moses goes up into Egypt, and he is able to bring the people out. And God reminds and releases the blessing over the people again while they are in the wilderness. They're being buck wild and crazy. And God comes to them in Deuteronomy 28. You can turn there. You should see this. In Deuteronomy 28, verse 1, he, 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 he releases the blessing and expands on it so that they can see all that the blessing really was. Here's your cutting edge. He tells to them, if you fully obey the Lord your God 
and carefully keep all his commandments that I am giving you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the world. And you will experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. Okay, you, you, this is the New Living Translation. It, your towns and your fields will be blessed. You know it. You're blessed in the city. You're blessed in the field. Uh, your children and your crops will be blessed. The offspring of your herds and your flocks will be blessed. That's business. Your fruit baskets and your breadboards will be blessed. Wherever you go and whatever you do, you will be blessed. He said the Lord will conquer your enemies when they attack you. They will attack from one direction but scatter from you in seven he said the Lord will guarantee a blessing and enablement on everything you do and will fill your storehouses with grain that is a savings account and the Lord your God will bless you in the land he is giving you and if you obey the commands of the Lord and walk in his ways the Lord will establish you as his holy people as he swore he would do then all the nations of the world will see that you are a people claimed by the Lord and they will stand in awe of you he goes on to say the Lord will give you prosperity in the land he swore to your ancestors to give you he said the Lord will send rain in the proper time from his rich treasury in the heavens and bless all the work you do you will lend to many nations but you will never borrow from them if you will listen and obey he said I'll give you a cutting edge blessing on your life but don't stop there fast forward all the way to the New Testament Paul jumps on the scene and if you go to Galatians chapter 3 verse 13 Paul says Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law because if you go a little further in Deuteronomy it says blessed will you be but then it turns around and it says Cursed will you be. And if you disobey me, you will be cursed. And just like, just like obeying me brings blessing, he says curse, or disobedience brings cursing. But then Paul comes and he says, no, watch this. Christ has redeemed you from the curse of the law. Having become a curse for us. For as it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. That the same blessing that was on Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. Watch this. That we might receive the promise of the Holy Spirit through faith. The same blessing that was on Abraham, that was on his sons, that was on the children of Israel, that was on Jesus is now on us. But it's not just on us, it's now in us because we have the Holy Spirit. You have the ultimate cutting edge in your life by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. But just because you have the Holy Spirit doesn't mean you're taking advantage of it. And it doesn't mean that you can't lose your cutting edge. Because number two, the second point, now everybody, number one, has been given a cutting edge. But watch this, number two, even good spiritual people lose their edge. So don't condemn yourself. What do you mean, Pastor? In our text today, the student, this is a subject of our study, that lost his edge. He was not sinful. He was not terrible. He was not disobedient. He was not lazy. He was just like all the other students that were in ministry too. He was chopping away just like they were. Because, watch this. 
We can all lose our edge in different seasons and for different reasons in different areas of our life. 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 10, verse 12 tells me, tells me, therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Everybody has an opportunity or, or has the ability to lose their edge. Uh, Galatians 6 and 1 says, brethren, if a man is overtaken in a trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. If you've lost your edge today, don't be condemned. It, it, it happens to the best of us. We're all subject to lose focus and, and to lose sight at times. We can all lose our edge and, and become dull. Uh, we can all hit seasons of anxiety and failure, loss, grief, suffering, hardships, even sin, and find ourselves without our edge. So if you find yourself today and you say, Pastor, you you coming right down my lane. You're talking to me. I, I've lost my edge. Don't get into condemnation. Don't let the devil lie to you and tell you that because you lost your edge, all is hopeless and, and you'll never recover and you'll, you'll never get it right again. Uh, you are not hopeless you are not useless. You just hit a stumbling block. We're not going to let you stay there. Romans 8 and 1 tells us that there is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. That's the, those who are called and who do not walk according to the flesh. But we walk by the what? Spirit. Okay, good. Let's go. Uh, okay, number three. Number one, we all had a cutting edge. Number two. We're all subject to lose our cutting edge. Number three, don't just keep chopping. No, don't, watch this. He, but as one was cutting down a tree, the iron axe fell in the water, and he cried out and said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. When you lose, when you realize you've, you've lost your cutting edge, don't just keep going through the motions. It would have looked crazy if he had just kept taking that stick or that axe handle and just kept hitting the tree. Bop. But, but no, somebody would have hey brother, your axe head is gone. What are you doing? But that's how some of us are. We, we've lost our cutting edge. We, we've, we've lost it, and instead of stopping, we keep going through the motions. We keep we we don't recognize and acknowledge that we lost it. We we okay, watch this. You you some of us have lost our spiritual edge, so we just keep on praying, even though we know our heart isn't in it. And we just keep on coming to church, and they say, lift my hands, so I guess I lift my hands. They say, clap my hands, so I guess I clap my hands. Knowing that you don't, your, your heart is not in it. You're, you're not, not that you don't feel Jesus, but you don't feel anything. You, you've lost your spiritual edge. You, or some of us, you just keep coming to church just to come. You just keep going through the motions. You know, you know, you know you got to get up and go punch the clock, so you just keep going to work. You're not putting your heart into your work. You're not putting no real effort into it. You're just showing up because you got to show up. You're leading but not leading. Some of us are in the home, but we're still absent. We're just going through the motions. We've, getting, we, we've lost the edge in our marriage, and we're just going. Well, I get up, I kiss my wife, I go to work, I come home. I kiss my wife, I go to bed, I go to work, I come home. We're going through the motions. 
instead of stopping and saying, wait a minute, I lost my edge. We're chopping at the wood with no edge to cut it with. Jesus showed us this in Matthew 15, verse 8 and 9. He quotes the prophet Isaiah, and he said, These people honor me with only their words, for their hearts are very distant from me. They pretend to worship me, but their worship is nothing more than the empty traditions of men. They're just doing it because they're supposed to do it. Their heart isn't in it anymore. Don't just keep chopping. If you've lost your edge, stop. Now, don't, don't be condemned, but don't keep chopping. Don't be condemned. Watch this. For number four, take responsibility. This is the part that gets a little personal. This is the part I knew you wouldn't like because it says here in 2 Kings, right here in our text, but as one was cutting down the tree, the iron axe fell into the water, and he cried out and said, Alas, master, I borrowed this thing. So the man of God said, Where did it fall? And he showed him the place. He said, Master, I'm a steward of the axe. It's my responsibility. I'm a steward of the cutting edge. Watch this. We are stewards of this thing. God has blessed us with his blessing, not our own. And we have to take responsibility for what we do with it. 1 Corinthians 4, 1 through 2, through, uh, 1 and 2 says, let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful, responsible, you know why he had to take responsibility? Watch this. He wasn't the only one with an axe. Okay. He wasn't the only one that borrowed an axe. None of them were lumberjacks. They were students. In the, in the prophetic school, they have axes. So they all had to borrow an axe. So, 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 now no, watch this. They were all chopping. But only his axe broke. He had to take some level of responsibility because everybody had an axe, but only his axe broke. He's the only one that lost his cutting edge. So you have to ask the question, what did he not do? This is the problem. See, see you want your cutting edge back, but you don't want to take any responsibility for having lost it. <laughs> what, what, did he not hit the tree correctly? You know, when you're cutting a tree down with an axe, now I ain't cut a whole lot of trees. I'll tell you, I never cut a tree down. <laughs> I cut a log one time. It was crooked. I didn't even cut it down the middle. Right? My grandfather was like, cut it, and I kept cutting a little piece off the side. Uh, but but uh, what, I'm, what I'm told is, if you're cutting a tree down, when you hit that mug, bow. You got to hit it in the same spot again. Bow. Because if you don't hit the same spot again, then, then you're no longer hitting where, where breaking it becomes easy. You keep starting and stopping and starting and stopping and starting. <laughs> I better hear the voice. You keep starting and stopping and starting and stopping. And if you keep hitting the hardest part of the wood to break, eventually you're going to ask going to break. Did you lose your edge because you never finished anything? Starting and stopping, and starting and stopping, and starting and stopping. 
in and out. You out and in. One job to the next. One relationship to the next. One commitment to the next. He just keeps starting and stopping. What did he not do? Oh, oh, okay, hold on. Did he, did he, did he maybe, did he, did he not take the time to tighten the screws? I mean, at some point, when he hit that tree, and he came back with the axe, he had to see it wobbling. I mean, pop, and it was good. Pop, and it was good. And then he hits it, and it comes back, and you feel it shake. Because now it's getting loose. When he felt it getting loose, did he not take some time to step back and reassess his situation? Maybe you, maybe you lose your cutting edge because you don't take any time to step back and assess some things in your life. And instead, you're tired and swinging. You're weary and swinging. You're confused and swinging. And eventually, you lose your edge. Did he not take the time, maybe even before he used it, to make sure he got a good axe and not a broken axe? Take some responsibility. Because while you don't have to be condemned, we all have to take responsibility to ensure we are living in a way that causes us to lose our edge. 2 Corinthians 13 and 5, it says, examine yourselves as to whether you are even in the faith. <laughs> Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you are disqualified? Lamentations 3 and 40 says, let us search out and examine our ways so we can turn back to the Lord and get our edge together. 1 Corinthians 9, 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and I bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself might lose my As long as you don't take responsibility and you keep blaming someone and something else, you'll never be able to go back and get what you lost. Because what you lost, you say, is in the hands of another. You can never go back and get what you lost as long as it's in the hands of somebody else. Stop blaming everybody else. Take some responsibility for the fact that you lost your edge. Since you're taking responsibility, you should be able to handle number five. Be honest about where you lost it. Somebody put on their post the other day, I got to stop asking. Expecting Christians to act like Jesus. <laughs> I gotta stop expecting Christians to tell the truth. Be honest about where you lost it. Have some integrity where your cutting edge is concerned. He said, So the man of God said, Where did it fall? And what did he do? 
He showed him the place. He didn't say, I don't know. Wonder when. Wonder how. Wonder where. He was able to tell the man of God, I lost it in the war. You have to be honest. Listen, if we're going to go on this journey together and get our cutting edge back, you're going to have to be honest about where you lost your edge. Was it in a sin cycle? You're going to have to be honest. Was it weariness? Maybe you just got tired and didn't take any care for yourself. Was it in depression? Was it a lack of devotion? Maybe you strayed away from prayer and the word for too long and, and you got weak in your faith and you lost your edge. Was, was it in an ungodly relationship? Maybe you got caught up with the wrong people and stuck in the wrong situation and now you found yourself without your edge. Where did you lose it? Was it in resistance to the will of God? Maybe God kept telling you to do it and you kept not doing it and he kept telling you to do it and you kept not doing it and, and eventually because you kept going up against the will of God for your life, pop, you lost your edge. Was it an unforgiveness? I know they hurt you. You can never live, get over it and you never let it go and now you lost your edge. Maybe it was in bitterness. Maybe you forgave them, but you never honestly dealt with your heart. And so now a root of bitterness has sprung up in you and it's snapped your Whatever it is, you're going to have to be honest over the next few weeks about where you lost it. Because where you lost it is where you have to go and get it. The area of your life, the area of your heart that caused you to lose that cutting edge, oh, you're going to have to go back and address it. Yeah, yeah, I know. Oh, no, pastor, it's under the blood. Psych. Your sin is under the blood, but that issue needs to be dealt with. Because the blood washed your spirit clean. But the problem with your edge is it's something that's in your soul that needs to be dealt with so you can get that edge back. Done for the day. Number six. <laughs> Number one, we all got an edge. Number two, we're all subject to lose it. Number three, don't just keep chopping. Number four, Take some responsibility. Number five, be honest about where you lost it. Number six, believe that there is a way to get it back. Oh, my. You know faith has to come into the conversation. You got to believe that even though you lost that edge, there is a way to get it back. So the man of God said, where did it fall? And he showed him the place just got a number seven. So he showed him the place. So he cut off a stick and he threw it in the water and he made the iron float. Elisha is faced with this dilemma by his son, one of his students. I said, Master, I lost my edge. 
I need to get it back. I'm a steward of that thing. I'm going to be held accountable for that edge. Listen, does the crate disappear? He breaks off a stick. He throws a stick into the... Now, that had to make this student... Had to be looking at him like, he's breaking the stick off a tree. Don't you have no scuba diving gear? You ain't got nothing. How are we going to get to the bottom of this lake and get the... We got this iron. It's at the bottom of the lake. That wood is going to float. I need the, the axe head back. He breaks the stick, throws the stick into the water, and the iron rises from the bottom of the muck and the mire of this lake, comes to the top of the surface and floats. And that's a miracle. <laughs> a stick. It's a piece of wood. How can a stick, how can a piece of wood help me get my cutting edge back? What are you telling me? I'm telling you today, I've seen sticks do greater things than that. When, 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 when? I'm glad you asked me because I have an answer for you. Exodus chapter 52, right around verse 22. Moses has brought the children of Israel from the Red Sea. They went out in the wilderness of Shur. Three days they were in the wilderness with no water. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Marah, because Marah means bitter. So Moses cries out to the Lord in the midst of this situation, and the Lord shows Moses a tree. goes to the tree, breaks off a stick, he throws the tree into the water. And the Bible tells us that the bitter waters of Marah were turned sweet when the water hit the tree. And here is where we hear Jesus, or God say to him, say the first time, I am Jehovah Rapha, the God that healeth thee. He took a stick threw it in the water, and the bitter waters became sweet. He took a stick and threw it in the water, and the iron began to float. You see, what you have to understand is that the stick that Elijah threw in the water, they got the edge back, and the stick that Moses threw in the water that made the bitter sweet, they were both just foreshadows of the piece of wood that Jesus would be lifted up on for you and me. Because at Calvary, Jesus was lifted up on a tree and the bitterness of life was made sweet for you and me. How can a stick bring the axe head up? Oh my God, because if you've lost your cutting edge, I've got some good news for you. The same Jesus that came here today uh, and he, the same Jesus that walked up, watch this, to Lazarus's family and said, where did you lay Lazarus? It's the same Jesus that comes here today and says, Diamond, where did you lose your cutting edge? It's the same Jesus, Pastor Dimmy, that comes to you and says, well, where did you lose your cutting edge? Cassandra, the same Jesus that asked 
Lazarus family, show me where you laid him. It's the same Jesus that comes to you and says, show me where you lost it because I got a stick that I know works miracles in your life. And just like I got lifted up on that tree to save your life, that same power is available to get your cutting edge back. You never underestimate the power of Jesus in your life. The same Jesus that died so you could have the edge is the same Jesus that will help you get that edge back. But watch this as we're going home. Let's go. So everybody's standing to your feet as we're leaving. Number seven. Number one, we all had an edge. Number two, we can all lose an edge. Number three, when we lose it, we don't just keep chopping. Number four, we take responsibility. Number five, we're honest about where we lost it. Number six, you believe Jesus can get it back for you. Number seven, you got to pick it back up. <laughs> he threw the stick in the water at the end. The axe head began to float. And he didn't reach in the water and get the axe head out for the student. He looked at the student and said, now you reach in and you pick that edge up that I gave you and you put it back on that axe and you go in there and you get to chopping again and working again and believing again and winning again. You pick up your own edge. I can't pick up your edge for you. You're going to have to pick up your own edge. And God who is faithful will always make your edge rise to the top again. But he's going to always look at you and say, now son, now daughter, you pick that edge up. I don't know if that edge is in your job. I don't know if, if you've lost your edge spiritually. I don't, I don't know if you've lost your edge professionally. I don't know if you've lost your edge relationally. I don't know if you've lost your edge creatively. But whatever way you've lost your edge, we're going to deal with it across these next few weeks. But at the end of the day, at every opportunity, at every point we come to, I'm going to look at you at the end of that service and say, now pick it up. Put it back on the, on the axe handle and get to chopping again. You're going to have to take your head back. Every head bowed, every eye closed. As we're preparing to leave right now, if you're in this place and you know you've lost your edge, know your cutting edge has been lost now is the time to lay a foundation for restoration in the month of January. let's not wait until March and April to start working on getting the edge back let's deal with it right here right now if that is you if you're at home and you're willing to be honest put in the comments I've lost my edge if you're at if you're here and you're willing to be honest, lift your hands and say, I've lift your hands, I've lost my edge, and I want it back. I, I've lost my edge. Come on, no, 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 no. Don't do that sanctified little one hand. Lift your hand high up so we'll know that you're not just worshiping, that you're confessing and saying, Pastor, I know I'm going to be real with you. My edge was lost, and I want it back. My edge has been lost, and I want to be sharp again. I want to be quick again. I want to be vigilant again. I want to have the, 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 the acuteness in my life. I want my edge back. We 
decree and declare today that because of your integrity and your obedience in this moment that God is releasing the stick into the water where you lost your edge and that the miraculous power of Jesus is causing that edge to rise up and float and that you are obedient in your willingness to bend down and pick it up again. I wonder if you would do something for me in this room and wherever you are. I want you to do a prophetic movement. Would you just get down on your knees right now as if you're on the banks of the water and you see your edge floating there. Would you just take a knee in this moment and say I'm willing to stoop down before God humble myself and pick my edge up. I want my edge back. I'm not willing to fight them and work harder than I have to. I'm not willing to let the enemy continue to win over me. I'm humble enough to get down on my knees by the edge of this bank to reach in and take my edge out the water. I want my edge back. Do it for them, God. Do it for them right here in January of 2021. Get the edge back. They might live and walk in another level of victory. Come on, if you're at home, get on your knees before the Lord. Come on, if you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and he will exalt you in due season. There is a humbling in this first year, first month of the year. We're getting our edge back. Come on, we're getting our edge back. We're getting our spiritual edge. We're not going to be dull in our hearing, but we're going to hear the voice of God clearly. We're getting our professional edge back. We're not going to have to toil, but we're going to be able to work easy and use wisdom and use insight. Come on, we're getting our creative edge back. We're writing again. We're singing again. We're playing again. We're composing again. We're drawing again. We're creating and inventing again. Come on, we're getting our entrepreneurial edge back. Our business is thriving. We're getting new partnerships. We're forming new allegiances. We're getting favor in the marketplace. Come on, we're getting our relationship edge back. I'm, a husband. I'm leading in my home again. Wife is submitting again. Children are thriving again. I'm getting my edge back. I'm single and I'm getting my edge back. I'm cutting off relationships that are not the will of God. I'm becoming purposeful in my singleness. I'm getting my edge back. Come on, if you got it back and you believe it, come on, get on your feet and begin to give God some glory. Come on, get on your feet and begin to praise Him. Like you know, come on, you should feel something in your spirit. You need to cry out to the Lord and give Him the glory. You got your edge back. You got your edge back. Come on, you're sharp again. I won't go through this year dull. I won't go through this year in toil. I won't go through this year working hard instead of smart. I'm getting my edge back. Glory! Hallelujah.
I dare you to go home today and put it on your Facebook wall and put it on your Twitter. I got my edge back. I, I got my edge back. I, I got my... You got to start confessing that thing because the first thing the enemy going to do is try to convince you that you dull as you ever been. But the devil is a liar. Since the kids say who God keeps is well kept. Who God gives an edge back to got their edge back. Oh, Father, we bless you today. Oh, God, we thank you for what you have begun in us. For he who has begun a good thing in us, we know is faithful to finish it, God.